And those decisions could be, do we hire or fire somebody? Um, I've hired people because I thought that they were a good match to core values. And I believed in their potential. I have let people go because they were not a match for our core values. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, has a long entrepreneurial history himself, having started and run multiple businesses. Today, he is the founder and CEO of Admentis, where he uses the entrepreneurial operating system to bring clarity to business leaders and provide the foundation they need to successfully scale their business. We believe that some of the best sources of information and experience for growing a successful business are our entrepreneurial peers. Stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest on the show. Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with Building the Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity really to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers, just hearing their stories, being able to share their stories with you about the, the challenges and the success really as they've grown their business, as they've gotten to where they are today. So today I've got a guest with me here. It's David Moise here with uh, Decide Consulting and an IT staffing and recruiting company out of Houston, Texas. So i Definitely didn't do that justice, David. So welcome to the show first off and just start off here, just paint me a little bit better picture, paint the audience a little bit better picture here of, of yourself and what you do. First, thank you for having me and thank you for saying the uh, last name correctly. That's always a challenge <laughs> with my name, but hey, I appreciate it. So how I got here, um, way back when starting out of college, just was a first job as a, as a software developer. Uh, did that for many years, worked for a variety of IT consulting companies, and at every one of them wound up being that guy who was the one who would go off on, go with the salespeople on their calls and help make them look good. I was writing the proposals. I was doing the technical interviewing. If a project was getting off the rails, they would pit me on it. And I just, you know, one day I was asking myself, wow, I am making a lot of money for a lot of other people. Maybe I could do this for myself. And that is where Decide was born. Um, we started off when, uh, when I first incorporated, it was doing a lot of custom software projects. Uh, and then I got smart enough to say, can I bring some friends along with me on this project? Because it's really big. And so I had more people working for me uh, and had a nice little staff until 2008. Um, and we all know it happened then. And uh, it wasn't that 2008 was such a bad time, but 9, 10, 11, a drug out. Uh, that hampered recovery was definitely experienced by me. And we shrank. And uh, coming out of that, we noticed that when the phone would ring, it would ring asking for, can I just have a programmer for six months that helped to help me on this project? And uh, as opposed to, we have a project that we want to hand over to you guys. So we just really shifted our gears gradually and just listened to the market and saying, how, you know, let's focus on the staffing business. So right now we're an IT staffing and recruiting company. Uh, placing software developers, network engineers, DevOps engineers, CIOs at companies in Houston and the surrounding areas. Very cool. So one, I'll have to kind of back into that a little bit because I'm, I'm really intrigued and I know a lot of people are that we've got, going back to my own personal background, I kind of started that way as well, I actually started in software and you've got your own expertise there. So how did you go from being what would typically can be considered more of a, almost a worker bee kind of role player there with software to saying, okay, I'm actually gonna go start a business and learn how to build a business. How, how did you make that jump between the two? 
there, there has always been an entrepreneurial streak in me um, that was coming out in different ways. And I was always looking for some type of event to uh, make money. You know, there's a point in time to real estate uh, for a while and had a nice little stable of uh, rental properties and was looking at other things. I, and it became a point of, do I want to go out and try and learn something new or do I want to take advantage of what I'm good at? And just uh, sitting down and thinking, hey, what are, what are the skills I have? What, you know, people are already paying me to come out and help them with their software and technology needs. Companies are valuing what I'm doing with, with that. Um, let's just take what you already have in the bank and what you have some good skills at and what you're good at and uh, roll with it and find your avenue in it. And there's lots of different opportunities to do that. And that's what became mine. So tell me a little bit more about current role today. Are you still doing development? Are you still doing projects? Or has it shifted more into the, the stereotypical CEO kind of role running the business, et cetera? 90% of what I'm doing is CEO. I uh, have picked up just really in the last couple of months, picked up a couple of clients that I'm doing some work with. I'm not actually cranking out code. Uh, we have a thing that we call software exploration, where if a company is saying, I have an idea uh, for a piece of software, how do I get this going? Who do I turn to? Help me explore this. And I work with those business owners just to help them ferret out the ideas, put some things down on paper that the development company would need to know so they can actually get going. And as I tell them, you know, if you spend a hundred dollars with me, you're saving 5,000 later on because where you're going, <laughs> you, you're going to spend a lot of money and take a lot of time to get into a place that you're not going to be happy with. So, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind but, of work I do right now. So what kind of challenges or how did you make that transition really from the software mentality, from being an expert in your field to being the CEO business owner, knowing how to run a business now? I'm not going to say that I've completely turned off that software mentality. <laughs> well, okay. uh, well, and... I mean, it's definitely a different set of things that you do during the day. Um, a, what software developer is going to go out and compare health insurance plans or deal with work versus compensation insurance? That's no fun. Uh, it's a question of, do I try and find the things I do that I like, that I get motivated for, and try and outsource as much as the rest as possible? Uh, and, you know, whether you're hiring somebody, a third-party company to take care of the payroll, virtual assistants are good for very particular things. Um, so that is one way I've done it. But in terms of the software and how that using technology, just in terms of being a CEO, a phrase I've started to use is we are not a recruiting company that focuses on technology. We're a technology company that focuses on recruiting. And what I mean by that is I'm looking at the way that recruiting has been done and thinking there are better ways of doing it. There are more efficient ways of doing it. How do we get better tools? One of the questions I was asking myself is, you know, we're looking for full stack .NET developers in Houston. How many are there? And we did not know that. You know, we were perfectly capable of going out and finding it, but I made it my business to go out and find that information. Uh, and there are a variety of ways, whether it's uh, pulling from uh, resume banks that we have access to and that we have uh, that just over the years, able to accumulate a lot of people to looking at social media and 
uh, public places where people put their code and we can actually answer that question now. We have a huge database. Uh, there are about 114,000 people that work in IT in Houston. We know a lot about them. Uh, and we can run queries and get to the right people quicker for our client base. Um, back on the wall, I have some core values, action, efficient, difference, there we go. And uh, you know, when I was a software programmer, I was always about how can I do something better more efficiently, a little bit different than the next guy, just to make myself more productive. And I take that same mentality to what we do in our business of finding people. How can I get to the right people for our clients differently and a little bit more quicker? Love that. So actually now you mentioned core values, that's always fun that I'd, one of those that I'd look at clients with. What do you, how do you see the core values or how do you utilize those core values in the business, obviously beyond posters on the wall kind of a thing there? What's, what are those, do you, is that a tool you use in your business or how do you use that if, if you do? Absolutely. It, is, it becomes a template to make decisions with. And those decisions could be, do we hire or fire somebody? Um, I've hired people because I thought that they were a good match to core values. And I believed in their potential. I have let people go because they were not a match for our core values. I mean, we got three of them behind me. There's another couple of three. The wall's not that big. Um, do, do we work with a client in, in a particular way that we might not work with another client? Um, we had one client asking us for some things that wound up costing us a little bit of money, but no big deal. Um, some other clients we would have said no, but you know what, this is one that stuck with us early in the game and uh, one of our core values is consider work with people who brought you along, dance with who brought you, and they, they were one of them. So we were definitely willing to make concessions and do the right thing for them uh, and help them out when they needed it. So I figure you can see this probably from both sides, but either from your internal hires or even from placements being that you're in a, a recruiting firm, how do you weigh core values versus actual skill versus technology skills kind of a thing there? And when you're doing that kind of a, a hiring decision or would you, do you favor one over the other or does that, how does that balance into a, a hiring decision for you? Well, keep in mind when we're doing the recruiting, it's often for our client base. So we have yeah. to figure out what their core values are. Uh, and inevitably in the technology game, if you don't have the skill sets that they're looking for and they're looking for a seasoned person with the set of skills, if you don't have it, you don't have it and it's not a question. But one of the things that we're always doing is we're wanting to get into that company and say, what matters to you? What type of personality? What are the core values? Talking to a software development manager or an infrastructure manager and asking questions about core values, like what? <laughs> that throws them. So we change the question a little bit and say, what works for your team? What are the people like? What are the things that you guys get excited about? How do you, you know, a day in the life? And then when we start talking or having those conversations, that's when we can get into what some of the core values are that we can help match a person for. So I get that with the outside or with, with the placement side. So take it back to internal. If you've got somebody that, whether it's a, a, an office manager, a, an accounting manager, whatever, that maybe doesn't quite have the skill set that you're looking for, but they exhibit the core values. Is that something that's a, you consider more than somebody that says, hey, perfect uh, accounting manager. I, I know all the accounting package in and out kind of thing, whatever. Obviously has the much higher skill set, may or may not be 100% match on core values. Which, what's your feel? Which, which way would you go typically? 
it, it, given that, yeah, definitely go with the core value hire. We've done it before. I'll do it again. Yeah. Um, it becomes a roadmap who you want to hire. You can train on skills. You can't train on values or it's much, much tougher to. Yeah, no, perfectly agree there. And that's, that's good to hear kind of things. That's a lot of times people don't have that and they're looking at, you, you know, probably better than I do. People are looking at hundred percent skills and it's like, well, just because you've got the skills doesn't mean you're going to fit in the team. Yeah. What you don't want to do is make a compromise on, am I going to get along with this person? Is this person going to get along with the rest of the team at the sacrifice of having someone who knows which uh, account to put a, a dollar number. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so values matter. Yeah. Values uh, matter. Yeah, very much so. So, Tell me a little bit more about your business itself. What I'm trying to remember, you didn't necessarily say how many internal employees you've got versus doing everything virtual right now. How big are you right now? Uh, we have a couple of recruiters, a couple of salespeople, myself, and um, some people that are virtual that help us out a little bit, small team. Um, okay. And then, uh, you know, several handfuls of people out there are billing for us out in the field. So how did yeah, you get, tell me about your your very first hire in terms of how did, how did you decide, hey, it's got to be beyond me. I actually want to, have a another recruiter or somebody obviously outside of the programmer you weren't building a, a a team of programmers at that point you're actually trying to build more of a business type at that point so how, how did you did hit that decision to say hey i actually do need to hire hey we, we need to move at least for a a real employee kind of thing rather than the virtual assistant like you were talking about my first hire was a, an individual that i had worked with before um and it was a not only a skill hire, but a value, core value hire as well. Um, this is an individual. I helped him out very early in his career when he first got into technology. Um, he impressed me a lot with his work ethic and uh, he was very efficient and different in how he approached things. And uh, we got along and had always stayed in touch. He was trying to build something himself, uh, ran into a couple of bumps along the road and was looking forward to make a change. And was like, you know, I'm starting my thing here as well. Let's see if we can work together. Brought him on board and uh, we stayed together in the business for many, many years after that. So, yes. So just kind always of a good, yeah, fairly good easy evolution at that point for you at that point. I'm sorry, what was that? Fairly, just a fairly easy evolution kind of step. It wasn't some major, major transition of, hey, we, we got to, I got to bring new people on or anything like that. I, I needed someone to help me grow the business and yep. uh, help, you know, that we had some capability of going out and be, getting in front of a client and saying the right things, but also could roll up their sleeves and do some technology. And it was a perfect fit. So cool. Makes sense. So when it, you actually touched on it a little bit earlier when you were said that originally it was just development. Now you've moved into uh, obviously doing the more recruiting kind of thing. So making that pivot in the business, obviously things going on right now. What's what do you feel like is the the strength or for that matter, the struggle kind of a thing from a leadership perspective when you're recognizing that changes need to be made, that what we were doing before, we need to pivot in the market or the market's telling us we have to pivot kind of a thing there. What's, what's, how do you, how do you see, how do you read the tea leaves early kind of thing and then make sure you're ahead of that? Lots of that going on right now. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and, and you know, as we're reading or doing this, it's uh, COVID cases are going up and the market's definitely changing. We're in Houston and oil prices throw that onto the mix as well. Um, so it is a uh, look in the mirror and saying, what do we do? How do we change? What's different in the market? Uh, for starters, um, yeah, let's look at data. What is the data telling us? 
Um, I'm fortunate enough that I really start investing in a lot of different things to get some data. I mentioned like we know how many IT people are in Houston. I also know things like how many jobs are posted in Houston for, in uh, IT roles. Um, what companies are looking for? How does the jobs this week compare to a normal week? Um, and we we're able to graph that and look at that. So, I mean, we did have to make some tough cuts uh, earlier in the year and just we're anticipating a slowdown in business. Um, we think that we, you know, we're, we're hopeful that things are gonna change here soon. Uh, but we uh, also had to take a look and see what are some different things that we need to be able to provide to the marketplace? What are some strengths that we have? Um, we just start, launched a new service not so long ago where we are uh, telling companies, like we have the data about who's out there in the market. We're able to match with the best people based on a job description. We put in some machine learning algorithms into our queries. And uh, as opposed to just using a full lifecycle recruiter and charging a fee of a person's salary, we're just gonna charge you a much smaller fee and say, we're just gonna guarantee that we're gonna find three people to interview with you. And it's just, you know, what, basically what we're doing is we're just finding the right resources that have an interest and in flipping it over. Uh, in the IT world, it's getting harder and harder to find IT, you know, good people. Um, so we feel like that's a good service that we can provide to our clients. So it's coming up with some data, just taking a look at the market. You got to do some things that are different. Let's come up with some ideas and some pain points that our clients have told us about before uh, and share something new with them. Um, we run into a lot of startups or smaller companies that struggle to, uh, you know, find the money for a lot of things. You know, do they want to pay a recruiting company like ourselves to help them find a person or they want to put that money into the pocket of the person they want to hire? And these are decisions that companies have to make. We're just, you know, trying to respond to it and grow the book of business in the same way. Yep. So I'm hearing a lot of uh, basically listening to the customers, listening to what they're saying kind of a thing and helping at least to some degree, let them drive the, the business in terms of like you're saying, the new product line and everything to be able to do a, a smaller scale recruiting scale or recruiting effort right there. Still try, what are the pain points? What are the value points that their customers want and providing them each? Yeah. Solving, yep. getting rid of one and providing the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely so. So putting on the, the rose color glasses here and looking forward four or five years, what, what, are, we, what are you seeing? What, what are you hoping for? Or what are you seeing from a, a business perspective? What do you think is, what's, what's Decide Consulting gonna look like in three or four years at least? Oh, I anticipate us to be much bigger. I think that we're on the cusp of a huge amount of demand for IT and technology people. Uh, I started saying in 2017 that the number of IT and software people in the U.S. is going to double in 10 years. And even with COVID, uh, the numbers are on track for that. And these are not my numbers. This comes from the Department of, uh, or the Bureau of Labor Statistics from the Department of Labor. Um, it's it's increasing. And right now, any type of Gartner, McKinsey, Bain report that I look at, everyone is saying you have to invest in digital transformation. The companies that have done well during our you know, lockdown and COVID period are the ones who've already invested in digital transformation. Um, even on a smaller company, I, you know, I have this whole thing I talk about where every company is a software company. Um, everyone has to invest in some type of technology if they want to thrive and survive better than the next person. Um, so when I'm seeing all this, uh, as we are really starting to come out of the COVID lockdowns, I think that companies are going to be very aggressive about investing in technology, which means investing in technology people. Um, I think that the acceleration of looking to hire people with certain skill sets is going to go up. So 
tell your kids to major in computer science, they're gonna have lots of opportunities. Um, there are all sorts of crazy stories out there. New York Times wrote an article a couple of years ago talking about how people coming out of some of the top uh, computer science schools with postgraduate degrees, focusing on artificial intelligence and machine learning, getting job offers of up to 500K with benefits and perks. Um, no experience. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so when the top echelon of uh, grads are getting that kind of money, well, there's a lot of money being thrown around at people of other skill sets. We're seeing salaries go up. It's getting harder to find people. The skills that we are looking for are getting more and more granular. The way I describe it, just a few couple of years ago, if you were uh, looking to hire someone with a particular technology skill set, going to a cafeteria, you had 20 options, you're looking to match eight. Today, you get that same cafeteria, you have 75 options and you're looking to match 25. Um, there's a lot more opportunity out there. There's a lot more things out there, but what companies are looking for is more and more specific. Um, so it, it's just an interesting time, but it's gonna be growing and uh, people with those technology skill sets, they're in the driver's seat. They yeah. are in the driver's seat and they can decide what they wanna do. It, it, an interesting uh, piece, you know, everyone's talking about working remotely as COVID was coming up. The number one trend we have been seeing with people is before COVID, number one trend, not, not even close to second, was candidates asking for remote work. And it, it, interesting, the hotter that their skill was in demand, Python ETL developers, as an example, can find somebody who wanted to go into an office, good luck. Everyone was asking, is it remote? Can I work out of my house in Colorado or wherever they were? They would, yeah, would not do it. Um, and that, you know, we're talking 2018, 2019 yeah. when, I, when we really started hearing this. So companies need to realize that, you know, it's a good, in one way, COVID is allowing a lot more people to work like this, which is gonna help out the, the market for companies being able to hire. Um, if they're willing to accommodate for remote work, it's going to be better for everyone. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing, having a lot of companies that still had the old mentality of, hey, we've got to have everybody here in the same office. And I think this forced a lot of people's hands to say, hey, we, we have to do this now. And they're figuring out, hey, this is actually workable. So I, I, I want to see, I, <laughs> yeah, I expect to see that we're going to see a lot more, a lot more remote work, a lot more remote teams. Like I said earlier, I've actually seen a number of companies here just in the recent year, recent months, kind of a thing that said, hey, remote work's working. Why are we spending so much on the high rise office building kind of a thing there when we've been doing being just as productive the last few months? So it'll, exactly it'll definitely right. be interesting to see. But from a technology perspective, even five years ago, I can't imagine us having to go through this and say, okay, because even broadband internet, gigabit internet kind of stuff is, it's been around, but it still hasn't, wasn't that prevalent. All the Zoom technologies, all the recording stuff like that. Five years ago, this would have been a whole lot rougher for sure. Much rougher. And we slid into it, like you said, way better than we could have five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> some better than others, but yes, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, there still lots of things that could have been better and houses, you know, and families that don't have broadband, definitely at a disadvantage, but you know, would you rather have no broadband at all or some? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have to go with some, so. Yeah, oh, definitely. And it definitely speaks to what you're talking about, about the, the future need for technology and the, the future impact that there's gonna be, everybody's focusing on technology. So there's, 
you got to have some piece of it, no matter what the level or what type of business is for sure. Absolutely. So what do you see as you're talking about, obviously needing to place more people needing, what, what do you see as challenges specifically within your business to say, okay, how are we going to meet that need? How are we going to find those new candidates that are being more difficult to find or handle an increase in, in customers wanting those candidates? What, what do you see as challenges in, in terms of your business to, to meet that demand in the next four or five years? Yeah. The, how do we get more people into this industry? And, and that's really, you're going to double the jobs of the number of IT people in, you know, 10 years. Um, computer or colleges uh, creating computer science programmers and people going into that field, they're creating them in the hundreds and businesses are demanding them in the thousands. Um, so where are the people going to come from? Where do they get their skill sets? Uh, we're already seeing the market react to a lot of this. Um, there's a lot of uh, online uh, training certification courses that one can go to, Udacity, Coursera. I've got nothing to do with them, but uh, I know of them. They're good and they're not the only ones out there that you can go out and get some type of certification on. Um, you're seeing a lot of these uh, private boot camps popping up all over the place. Uh, and we're also seeing just the uh, universities with their continuing education or whatever you want to call it, executive education, uh, with these uh, certification programs. So University of Texas, Texas A&M, RISE, just a few local ones around here, all provide these 12 to 24 week full stack developer certification programs. And we are seeing companies hiring from those. Um, so do you want to get a four year degree or do you want to go to this? Uh, for some people, the, this is a good option. And if you can go out and get a job doing that afterwards, yeah, do it. Um, it, it, you're going to get the same salary that some person graduating from Rice Computer Science is going to get? Probably not. Um, but so <laughs> you're, you're going to get that job and in five years down the road when you are being hired based on your experience at the time versus where you graduated from, is it going to matter? Um, we need to find more people to get into this field. Um, yeah, technology, when I look at the numbers of uh, people we have in our database, um, 81% of the people working in IT and software are men. We need more women in this field. Um, they're coming when you're looking at, when I look at the numbers of, you know, women in engineering and women in computer science, it's growing. But when we need uh, to double the number of people that we have working in this and only 19% of them are female, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. So a, a, uh, we, we're in conversations right now with a program uh, that's trying to get some people of a different educational background or who have struggled with their educational background to get them to uh, get some IT certifications. Um, and we're going to work with them on some of the graduates just on promoting their program and promoting their people and saying that these are good entry-level people that you may overlook in a different direction, but have done a lot to overcome things in their life and to get into this uh, field of, of work. Um, so where do we get the people? Where do we get yeah. the people? We need to have some different ways and some entrepreneurs coming out there to say, I am can take this group of people that traditionally may not have gone into IT or software, and I can help provide them an on-ramp into that field. Yeah, that's it's good. And I've, I've wondered about the, the difference in a lot of the online courses, online self-teaching, et cetera, because software has always been one of those that you can you can pick up a lot on your own or pick up a lot through online courses today versus doing a full four-year degree. And of course, what we're seeing right now with 
college prices, et cetera, going up kind of a thing. I've, I've always wondered, it's like, okay, is that really going to be the long-term future? And it sounds like there's, there's still, still benefit to having the, the name on the paper and things like that. But at the same time, it's maybe not quite as, as required as it might've used to be. Yeah. I mean, my own kids, I'm paying for four-year schools for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. So, you know, get to go with that. And that's been embedded in me for a long time. That's the way you need to go. I can't really turn that switch off. But at the same time, I look at the number of people that come across our uh, company every day that do not have that four-year degree and are doing just fine. Uh, they got to it in a different way. Um, that's always been the case. Um, and it will be again soon. It, yep. it, it's interesting. I told you about my first hire. There was a point in time in the late 90s where it was very similar to what we have kind of going on right now, just in terms of the growth. Uh, outsourcing really had not kicked in yet. And uh, my joke was, if you could spell BB, you could get a job as a visual basic programmer then. And the company I was with put in a program where they said, let's hire some non-traditional people, put them through some training and see if we can get them billing on some of our projects. And that my first hire, who's really good and had a very good career in IT, was a music teacher. And he had a degree in uh, music. <laughs> he would kill me if I said he had a degree in music because it's not I mean, some music theory of some specificity. But yeah, he was a music teacher in high school and he got into IT and learned how to become a software developer and did very well. So yeah. we've done it before, we can do it again. Oh, it's that and it's it's software specifically, but yeah, to me, it's, it's all, I see a lot of those stories just even outside any, anywhere in business. It's like, okay, how did you go from here to here kind of a thing? That's, that's the stories I love telling. But yeah, a lot of times you can do that reinvention there, just either self-taught or finding other opportunities there. But yeah, you're not stuck for sure these days. Well, I mean, I was a finance, uh, finance and economics major. So. <laughs> I got into this. So first good job taught me how to do some programming and that was on COBOL um technology changes so, there. <laughs> yeah yes i did uh but what you know now is how relevant that is that going to be in five years not very uh, yeah. it, it just like right now there's a ton of people focusing on front-end development which is a very vital part of what we do in software development and there are focus on learning uh javascript languages and frameworks I said Java, javascript is the language but JavaScript-based libraries and frameworks like Angular, Vue, um, React, Node. Take everything that you're doing right now, throw it out the window in five years because there's going to be different versions that act very differently. And that's just a reaction to 5G. Um, so much of what we have that's going on on the front ends that we write when you look at this is based on a 4G network, which is a certain amount of bandwidth and availability and latency. When you go 5G, it's... 40 to 100 times better, depending on how you want to measure it. Um, so would you want to be using a program or an app that was written uh, when it was iPhone 1? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, how you do it now is completely different. And what you did then does not matter now. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely one about technology. But again, I, I'd say that applies in a lot of areas that you once you stop learning, you're you're going to get left behind pretty quick kind of a thing. But especially in technology, I look at even just like Windows operating system back in the day, we'd install it on a few floppy disks, kind of a thing. Now and these days, you got to download it; it's too big, kind of thing. So they, they keep growing, but so the hardware is there, like you said. So why not maximize the use out of it? So running out of time here, want to circle back. Um, looking at growing a company, obviously you've you've taken it from being yourself up to a number of employees looking to grow it further now. 
what kind of lessons, what kind of uh, struggles, anything have you come along all, along the way to say, hey, if I knew this now, back then, might have done things differently or might do things differently in the future? What Any, any lessons or thoughts right there that you might pass on? Uh, it's a whole other podcast to go through the entire oh, yeah, list. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I, real quick. <laughs> I, I would say be different. Have something that you do. Find out what you can provide to the marketplace. If you have something different that you can find that your the, your competitor doesn't do, um, exploit that and use that as your marketing campaign. Use that to get out there. Find something that you about you and that what you can do, what you can do for your client base is different, and then get the word out. So that's if I had to say one, do that. Yeah, very key. So. I appreciate it here. Appreciate the time here. Enjoyed the conversation and really enjoyed you spending a couple of minutes with us. So if people want to learn more about Decide, about if they're needing IT help, where can we find you or get some more information from you? Uh, DecideConsulting.com. Um, best place to find us. Where our links on the site, uh, getting us out to Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, I got my personal accounts out there as well. So go there and lead you everywhere you want to go. All right. Are you just focused on the Houston area or are you looking beyond that? We're looking beyond that. We do some things outside of Houston for sure. Uh, absolutely have, have uh, aspirations to expand. Um, and we start uh, getting out of our uh, lockdown and uh, get some more economic activity. We'll be out there. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Yep. Yes, you. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate the time again. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes. And make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on the social networks. To learn more about what we are doing and how it might benefit your business, check us out at admentis.com. Thanks again for listening.